Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Anthony Graham with Remax in Allen, Texas. Last year, he closed 48 transactions with a total sales volume of $17 million. His average sales price was $367,000, of which 64% were buyers and 36% were sellers. Anthony has a four-member team, two support agents, one transaction coordinator, and one team leader. Anthony is the team leader of Elite Home Sellers. He's been an agent for 10 years and works the Metro Dallas market. In this call, Anthony talks about his slow start in real estate, earning just $19,252 in GCI his first year, jumping up to 36 closings his second year when he discovered internet leads. Why internet leads require both a lead source and a platform to cultivate the leads. The most consistent, high-quality lead source for agents and average cost. The best lead platform that tracks prospect activity in online home searches. Why lead quality is more important than quantity. The difference between nurture leads and inquiry leads and which one you want. Why relevancy and call timing can triple your internet lead conversion. The power of the text message follow-up. Scripts for calling your internet leads and the best reason to call. The true ROI for internet leads that might shock you. How he's getting 53% of his business by repeating referrals from his past clients and sphere of influence, including his annual marketing plan. His unique, custom, personalized CMA postcards and his follow-up script. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Anthony. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Hey, Anthony, it's great to have you here. Anthony, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Really not a whole lot. I delivered some pizzas and I was a valet uh, car parker for a little while, but ultimately I got started when I was 23. And so I left college, took six months to kind of mess around a little bit and not grow up yet. And uh, then dove face first into real estate uh, at 23 years old and, and have been building that for the last 10 years. What made you decide to get into real estate? Uh, you know, it's kind of um, kind of just dumb luck, I guess. Uh, I actually wanted to be a chiropractor and I had gotten accepted into chiropractor school. I was moving back to Dallas from college to go to chiropractor school and then needed to figure out how to pay for chiropractor school. And so I took my real estate courses, figured that I'd sell some real estate for 12 months. 24 months kind of deal and uh, save a little bit of cash and go back to chiropractor school. And um, I didn't end up doing that. Um, really love the day to day that we get to deal with as realtors. And I don't ever see myself going 
away from the selling real estate aspect of things. So I just, I really stumbled into it and just fell in love with the job. Let's talk about that very first year. Did you go full-time the very first year? Yes, I did. I, uh, I joined a team as a buyer's agent and it was a prominent team here in the Dallas area. Did 45 to 50 million or so. Um, so I had good mentorship. I had good opportunities, but it was also August of 2007 at 23 years old. And I watched the bottom of the market fall out. So there was lots and lots of turmoil and just difficulties and stressors of trying to learn the business when everybody else was fleeing the business. Uh, so um, it was nice to not have the responsibilities and the monthly bills at 23 years old that I do at 34 years old. But otherwise, it was a little interesting as we lost, I think, something like 40% of our realtors in Dallas Metroplex over a six to 12 month period of time. And I was green, just diving in, going, cool, let's figure this out. So the first year was obviously quite a bit different than um, how it is now. But I was full time from minute one. How did you stick with it when everybody else was falling out? Again, super low threshold on my financial responsibilities on a monthly basis. I actually lived with a friend of mine that was a restaurant manager, and he would bring home uh, raw meat at the end of the day from his restaurant, and that was what paid for me to eat. I would go there for lunch every single day and get free lunch and then come home every single night and get free dinner. And then I would miss paying him rent by two, three months at a time. And I mean, really, I attribute a lot of my longevity in this business to the relationships that I had when I got started and just having a little help from your friends. Why did you stick it out? I mean, you obviously were struggling financially and and the market was turning and people were leaving. Why did you stick it out? Why didn't you go get a job at that restaurant or something? Yeah, sure. Um, a, I'm stubborn as all heck. Uh, I, just, I, I don't... Uh, take failure very well. I, I knew that I could do it. I knew that it was a matter of time. I knew, I didn't know at the time how beneficial it would be to become successful in the down market as everybody left and then ride that train through to the successful market that we've experienced for the last few years here. But ultimately, I'd say it's because I'm stubborn. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of other opportunities other than to go back to chiropractor school. I didn't actually get an undergrad the degree when I was in college because you don't need one to go to chiropractor school. Um, so, and then actually, you know, to further that question, then it right at about nine months in the business, my team signed on a contract with Tiger Leads, which back then didn't have internet leads. And the leads were really, really good. I was able to create some systems and some plans and some scripts that really, really worked well with those online leads. And the beauty of their system was, and we all get it now, but you could see everything that the consumer was doing on the website, which then gave you relevant things to talk about when you called them. It wasn't just a name and a phone number back in 2008 that called and said, hey, Mary, I, I got your name and phone number online, and I think you want to buy a house. Um, it was, hey, I see you're on my website. You're looking at these homes. You know, Hey, I showed this one to a client last week. Let me tell you about it. And the conversation became much, much easier. The follow-up and the solicitation for business became more relevant. And ultimately, I was able to build rapport with lots and lots of clients over the phone and over email 
before they showed up to find out that I was this green 24 year old kid that couldn't grow any facial hair. Um, and so it was interesting how many people would show up from out of town and go, Holy cow, you're just a kid. And it's, it's like, yeah, well, I still know what I'm doing. And I, I really think that that was a, a huge fulcrum in my business that I leveraged significantly on when I was young and had some difficulties breaching the market that took all of those difficulties out of that. And what I learned from that was that with the internet stuff, it was a repeatable business plan that was a variable on the amount of cash you could put into it. So, and the amount of time that you had to work those leads. And so it was beautiful because you could say, Hey, I'm going to put $500 a month into this deal. And I can relatively expect this amount of money out of it. And then when that cash came to capitalize the business, then more of that was allocated towards these systems. And there is um, a terminal velocity with those types of leads and so on and so forth. Again, mostly a figment of time. But ultimately, what I learned was I didn't have to go out and talk to all of my friends and ask for business and talk to my parents' fear of influence with only a year's experience in the industry when I truly, honestly, didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. And this allowed me to kind of get over that hurdle that I had. And then quite honestly, that's been a huge part of my business for the last 10 years because of its scalability, because of its easy, predictable income off of cash spend and so on and so forth. That's great. And we're going to dive into your internet lead business, which, as you mentioned, is one of the cores of your business in just a sec. Let's just get a little background. Just to clarify, that very first year in the business, how many homes did you sell? I actually don't remember, um, but I do remember that my GCI was $19,252. And I remember that just because of how poor it was. And now my second year at 24 years old, I did $6.8 million off of that and 36 transactions off of that Tiger Lead system alone. Um, that was what we had Tiger Leads back then. And so that was the big paradigm shift of, holy cow, look at what happened in the first nine months and how much I spun my wheels to then getting this beautiful system and this beautiful lead plan and how many I sold then in the second year, feeling relatively just as green as I did in the first year. Very good. Well, let's do that. Let's fast forward to today. How long have you been in the business? 10 years. I started August of 07. You've been in 10 years. And last year, how many homes did you sell? And what was your sales volume? 2016, we did 12.2 million, GCI of 373,000. And how many units was that? Uh, That was 31 units last year. Okay. And then this year, year to date, we're just at the end of November. You've already bumped those numbers up. Where are you at now, year to date? We've got 48 close transactions year to date, a little over 17 million. I want to say 17.2 or 17.4 million, 48 transactions, 17 million. GCI, we're hovering right around 410 or so right now. And you have a, a little team, and we'll talk about the team in a second. How many personal units have you closed this year? Uh, 24. 24, so about half the volume. Hey, that's fantastic. Thanks for giving us that background. Now, you mentioned that internet leads has been the core of your business for the 
basically your career. You were able to get into it early. You, you have some expertise in that area, and we'd like to dive into that. Could you tell me some more about why this has worked so well for you? What I'm looking for is the things that you've learned, like what's the best source for getting the leads and then the best platform for following up with those leads? Absolutely. And that's the best way to ask that question is one of the first things that I realized, and it baffles me, we have a bunch of agents in our office that use internet leads and watching how incorrectly they do them has been fascinating to me over the last couple of years. And the reality is, is you have a bunch of different kinds of leads now. You've got what I call nurture leads, which is somebody that's provided their information and has been dumped into a search site and continues to search, but there's not necessarily they've already sold their house and they're moving in. They haven't asked you about any homes yet. They're just simply using a website to search. And those are nurture leads. And that's what most people get for their leads. They're a penny a dozen, not even a dime a dozen. I don't personally think that they work as well as what I call inquiry leads, which is a lead who specifically looking at a home and click the button that says, I want more information about this home, or I want to schedule a private showing on this home, or a lead who is specifically searching for a realtor to sell their home and clicks the button that says, contact me, I want to talk to you about selling my home. And what I found from personal follow-up on those leads when I was on a team, and then when I started out individual. And then as I have transformed into a team leader is that I would much rather get 10 leads per month that are good quality convertible leads that don't give me hassle, that aren't talking to 900 other people. than I would receive 900 leads for that month that are all nurture leads that I've got to pick and choose to figure out which ones are going to be more qualified than the other. In turn, that equivocates into more dollars per lead. Um, our lead. So you ask what source and what platform I personally find the best. And I have had tremendous luck with Realtor.com. Um, we purchase all inquiry leads through Realtor.com. Um, we've got a couple other lead sources, but we're not actually paying for them right now. So all of our ad spend budget really goes to Realtor.com. Now, with Realtor.com's platform, they're going to send me a lead and it says, hey, Anthony Graham wants to go and see this house uh, Saturday from two to four. And I'm going to call that lead, but a lot of times they're sending that lead to three other people. I may not get a hold of that lead. I may finally get a hold of them and they might be wishy-washy and they might you know, schedule an appointment, but then cancel or what have you. What we figured out really quickly was that lead pretty much automatically goes in the trash if you don't make that first point of contact. And then if you don't make that first face-to-face, if you don't have some sort of system that continues to follow up with them in the future with relevant follow-up. And what most realtors will do is Anthony Graham just submitted his inquiry and they'll call and, hey, Anthony, I wanted to uh, go and show you this house. You know, I'm available Saturday at 2 p.m. Okay, great. Well, then I call at 1 p.m. on Saturday. Hey, you know, my kid's sick. I'm not going to be able to make it. And then that agent now has lost all of their relevancy basically to that client. We now know that that client, that house is, well, so this is in our market too. In our market, houses sell in a day. 
So you've got to find that motivation. If they're motivated to get out, they're going to go and do it. Most agents then will call back the next week and go, Hey, uh, Anthony, you asked me about a house last week and you wanted to see it on Saturday and we weren't able to connect. Well, the reality is that guy is normally asked about three or four other houses. And so then he goes, Oh wait, which house was that? And it gets awkward. Your rapport has been shot. There's the conversion rate on a phone call like that is very, very poor. Whereas if you set up a CRM system to grab all of your leads that come in and then you use, I don't use drips, but I use a, a, a follow-up with just a home search invitation, then that's ultimately what the client wants. The client wants relative follow-up. And the most relevant thing that I can send to them are houses that meet their criteria. And then at that point, I can, and we use Tiger Leads for that. So there's a bunch of CRM platforms that you can use. I've personally found Tiger to be my favorite. Um, it's simple. It does everything that I want it to do and then some, and we just always used it. I don't ever see any reason to, to change it. Don't fix what's working. I can't even remember what, that, what the saying is right now. But ultimately, that, that's how we've done it. We toss all of our leads into Tiger Leads. Tiger Leads automatically sets up a search that's based off of the home that they inquired about. So if they inquired about a home at 350 in Plano, Texas, then Tiger Leads automatically sets up a search in Plano from 325 to 375, 25 high and 25 low. They get those updates, and then I get an email when they check those updates. So now some time has passed. I'm no longer relevant to them. But they just checked my update email, and now I got an email that says, hey, they're on the website. I am now immediately relevant, and I have found that your relevancy is a direct proportionate metric to how much conversion you get. I could call that person 100 times over a week and hope to get them, but I'm not relevant throughout their day. If they're grocery shopping, do they want to sit down for 15 minutes and talk to me about selling a house? They don't. However, if I can catch them when they're on my website searching for something and I can provide value in that phone call, I am relevant. And the script is very, very much more simple of, hey, this is Anthony Graham. You're on my website. You just open the, the email with my name on it. And let's talk about these houses. And the most important question that we ask is your time frame. And if we can get that out of the consumer in the first two minutes of the phone call, then that tells us how we're going to follow up with it in the future. So if somebody says, you know, I'm easily 12 to 18 months out, then I know not to call them every single week. However, if somebody says, yeah, we were out looking at open houses last week and we're in the process of picking a home, then I know that I need to be calling them every single day. And most of what we've done translates into when are we relevant and how can we be more relevant to the consumer so that we convert more business. You're asking that key question of timing. Once you establish the timing, what's your rule for follow-up after that? You said you don't have a traditional drip system. You want to contact them during that relevant period, i.e. they're doing something in real estate. They're interested, they're searching, they're on the net. Something's going on that they are in the mindset of real estate. And that's when you want to talk to them. That makes a lot of sense. Once you determine their time frame, let's say it's uh, six months from now, how are you going to follow up with them at that point? Basically, our system sends out weekly updates. 
and I will normally ask them if they're enjoying the weekly updates, if I can tweak any of the search criteria. And oh, by the way, I can set those up to daily. Would you like those to be set up to daily? And that's kind of the value that we add into these conversations is that we're not acting like realtors of, hey, let me sell you a house. We're acting as kind of real estate consultants of, oh, hey, I see that you're looking in Plano. Have you considered Allen? Well, no, not really. We're from Chicago. Where's Allen? Well, it's right next to Plano and I can save you a little bit of money and get you a nicer and newer house. We're offering that consultation value within those phone calls. So for instance, if you were to say, hey, we're at least six months out, I'm going to go, okay, well, I've got your auto email set up for Plano, Texas from 300 to 350, four bedrooms, four baths with a pool. Is there anything you want me to change? No, everything looks great. Okay, cool. I'm going to send you something every week that's going to have the new houses. Please save them as favorites because I get to see them on the back end. That'll kind of allow me to see what you like and what you don't like so that when you do come to town, I've got a better idea of what we're searching for so that I'm not wasting any of your time. At any given point, I can change these update emails to daily instead of weekly. We find that once you're within about the three to four month period of time, our market moves so fast that you really do need to be updated on a daily basis. So I can change that right now if you'd like, or would you like to keep them on weekly? And bringing them back into the conversation and, well, weekly is just fine right now. You know, we just really don't have a whole lot of time. And sure, no problem at all. And I'll tell you what, I'll follow up with you in about two, three, maybe four weeks or so. And we'll chat about it again. I want to see what you think of our houses that are in the area. And maybe at that time, we'll switch over your update emails to once a day. How does that sound? And those conversations just flow perfectly. And instead of, instead of the consumer feeling like they're being sold on something, they feel like somebody just stepped in off of the internet and is now actively sort of guiding them and keeping them away from trouble throughout this transaction. And then quite honestly, we just follow that exact same metric throughout the process. I'm going to call them three to four weeks later. You know, hey, Joan, it's Anthony again. I know that you've checked my emails. I just wanted to talk to you about the two favorites that you've got saved. I wanted to talk to you about maybe changing up some of the criteria and adding a city here or there. And while we're on the phone, are you guys still thinking that June's going to be the month that you come to house on? And basically, then I'm going to transform all of that follow-up based off of kind of their timeline and kind of how much rapport is being built within those conversations. So you're going to focus the conversations on their search, what they're searching for, what they're looking at, because you can see that in the back end of your system, and you're going to keep reconfirming their time frame. Are you trying to make that call to them while they're doing a search again? So in the follow-up sequence, are you calling them while they're doing something online? Or are you calling them when it's convenient for you and you're simply referring to what they've done online? If you can't catch it on time, then you still want to make the follow-up call if you can find something relevant to speak to them about. But ideally, you are always going to want to try and catch them within five minutes of being on your website. And, and mainly because, again, it's fresh on the brain. You are relevant. They've proven to you that they took time out of their busy schedule to sit down and check your email and then to look at the houses that you sent. So that proves to me that now is my time. And now, again, in a perfect world, you'll get it every single time. But you don't live in a perfect world. It's just not feasible. However, if you can kind of change a lot of your mindset and a lot of your follow-up to this reactionary and know that, hey, if I caught it in the next 30 seconds, then there's a 50% chance that I'm going to have a conversion on this deal. 
But if I call it in the next 30 minutes when it's convenient for me, chances are they're going to pick up the phone. They've moved on with their thought process and with what they're doing in their daily activity. And when I call them and say, hey, it's Anthony Graham. I wanted to talk to you about 123 Banana Street. They go, what? Who's this? And I go, Anthony Graham, I've been uh, sending you uh, emails that have updates in them. Uh, Looking in Allen, Texas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, Anthony. I'm sorry, what did you want? Well, I was I was calling to see if you wanted to talk about that house at 123 Banana Street. It's horribly awkward. It's a horrible, horrible conversation. And you can pretty much guarantee that that's the reason that you don't get to sell that house in the future. And so versus the scenario of I get the email that says that Joan is on my website and I call immediately and my Tiger Lead system will show that they're physically looking at this house right now and that they just clicked on the school rating to see, you know, what the school rating was. I get to see in real time live view exactly what they're doing. So if I get them on the phone, chances are they're sitting there at the computer or on their cell phone, looking at it through their email, their cell phone rings and Hey, it's Anthony. You just opened my email. Um, I just want to talk to you about those two favorites that you're looking at right now. Holy cow, Anthony, you're quick. Yeah, no, well, I, I actually get to see and I'm I'm sitting here working on my systems right now. So I just wanted to make sure that I couldn't do anything to help out. Let me offer some suggestion here. And the conversation is just completely different. And they immediately translate their thoughts of you as the realtor into this value added position and that you're on top of your stuff, that you're quick. And And I'll tell you what, if you can hit them two, three times within while they're still on the website, then that's their perceived value of you is that Anthony is sitting there looking at what I'm doing and has his finger on the pulse of my search at this point. And as long as I'm friendly and offer the value, then generally speaking, we'll convert those if they're going to buy. It sounds like you want to talk to them on the phone. Are you getting a higher conversion if you can get them on the phone versus say email or text? Most definitely. Um, Because of the personality, there's just no personality in a text or in an email. However, we do get, I mean, most people don't answer phones anymore and they don't listen to voicemails anymore. So I very rarely leave voicemail. I'll call first. And if they don't answer, then I immediately text them. And hey, John, this is Anthony with Remax. You inquired about the house at 456 Main Street. Yeah, I'm available. Do you want to see it today at 2 p.m.? And most people will not ignore that. Most people will then turn around and go, oh, yeah, no, actually, I was just curious. Is it still available? No, I can't go and see it today at 2. Okay, Joan, well, yes, it is still available. How about tomorrow at 3? Um, well, yeah, actually, tomorrow at 3 would work. Okay, fine. Well, at, I am at that point going to try to get to a phone call because once they speak to me on the phone, there is a personality that's been introduced and most people then aren't going to ignore you the way that they would through a text or through an email. However, if I just said, Hey Joan, you know, we're going to go, how about three o'clock tomorrow? And she says, great. And then I pick up the phone and call Joan. I've just found most people don't answer the phone. You've built this communication platform through a text message. And all of a sudden you've just broken that communication platform by calling them on the phone again. So what I'll normally do is ask them through test, hey, I'm going to get all that set up for tomorrow at 3 p.m. Can I call you at 10 a.m. tomorrow and confirm everything? Well, yeah, tomorrow at 10 a.m. would be great. I'm just going to be helping the kids out. Okay, perfect. I'll call you at 10 a.m. Now I've asked. Now I've gotten my approval. And now I don't shoot myself in the foot by making a phone call to somebody that didn't want to have a phone conversation. 
At the same token, I've still gotten my point across that I'm busy, I'm confirming this stuff, and I do need to speak to you on the phone before I drive halfway across town to go and show you a house. And at that time, I'm going to qualify them and so on and so forth. But trying to qualify somebody through text message is is not easy. And there's a lot of stop loss there and the ability to have a client just clam up and stop replying to you. So I do always try to get them on the phone one way or another. That's a, a really interesting approach that you're taking through the text. You're you're seeing that they're looking at a home online and you're going to offer them the opportunity to see that home, a set of showing. That's your foot in the door. And if that's something of interest to them, you're going to set that through text because that's the way they've been communicating, their mode of communication. And then you're going to set a phone appointment for the future to talk to them to confirm that showing. And that's how you're going to move them from text to phone. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. Very good. Thank you so much for walking us through that. Let's back up and ask some questions about the big picture there. Talk about conversion. We're going to talk about the quality of the lead in a minute and where you're getting that, but let's talk about conversion since we're in follow-up. If you have 100 people in this system and these internet leads that have come in, what percentage of them will end up turning into closings? Closing conversion, we hover right around 3% or so. So right around 3%. So you get 100 people in the top end of the system, three are coming out as closings. That's pretty valid. Yeah, that's as close as I get in my numbers, basically. Okay. Let's talk about where these leads are coming from. I want to dive back into this inquiry lead that you spoke about earlier through Realtor.com. Specifically, how do you do that? How do you set it up so Realtor.com is going to send you these inquiry leads? And how much are you paying for them? I have a realtor.com rep. I kind of, again, I, I was presented with a fortunate situation where my lender had met some people. They were selling realtor.com leads and he took on, said, hey, I'll split some of these with you if you want them. And so we dove in face first on those and they just turned out so well that we have then continued to up our budget with realtor.com to the point that we're at now. But ultimately, to my knowledge, they have a full sale side of lead generation at realtor.com. You probably go to the bottom of realtor.com website and they've got a a link for agents and you can place a phone call and find what leads are available. Now they sell them through zip codes, uh, much like all of the other platforms do. And you purchase a share of that zip code and they have a couple of different accounts. Um, One would be an exclusive account where the consumer inquires about a house, then it only goes to one agent and would only go to you. And then they have another type of account where if the consumer inquires, that inquiry page has been sent to three agents. I don't discriminate between the two. Whether the lead inquired about that house and I was the only person that got the contact form or not, I know that lead inquired about 10 other houses. Generally speaking, if they inquire about one, they inquire about two or three others. And that's going to go to another realtor. So I kind of am on the stance of taking the cheaper account and then having the extra competition because I know that our follow-up systems and our conversion systems are much better than most of our competitors in this market. Now, if you were to call in my market and try to get Realtor.com count, they're few and far between. There's a lot of competition for them and they're pretty successful. Other parts of the country may have a lot more availability. I'm not exactly sure. What I have experienced 
through Realtor.com, through Zillow, through Trulia, through Homes.com, through just about every platform that you can purchase leads from, was that the quality ebbs and flows significantly. And I have not found that quality ebb and flow through the Realtor.com leads. I've found consistently for the last three and a half years that I've been working with them that their consistency on the quality of lead stays pretty straight and narrow throughout the year. Um, whereas when we were working with some of the other platforms, the other other lead gen platforms, you know, one month I'd get two or three, the next month I'd get 30, the next month I'd get four. And some of them were complete trash leads that were a fake name, fake phone number, fake email. Yet I was still charged the full amount for that lead. Um, and I just, I haven't felt like the other platforms care one way or another how my business goes after signing up with them. They signed me up for a six to 12 month contract. And if I don't sell any homes off of their stuff, then they go, eh, no, no big deal. We got 9,000 other agents that we can sell this stuff to versus Realtor.com where they have always tried to help me out. If I've had a concern with anything about the amount of leads that I'm getting, repeat leads that seem to deplete my total lead count for the month or for the year, they are more than willing to help me out and um, have just really presented outstanding customer service in an area of my business that I've never experienced customer service before. Now, that being said, my Realtor.com inquiry leads are by far the most expensive leads I have ever purchased. And my cheap inquiry leads are in and around the 125 to 135 a piece range, 125 to 135 a piece. Expensive leads are 265 to 285 or so on the high end. But again, going back to kind of what I mentioned before is that I would rather take 10 convertible leads on a monthly basis at $1,000 a piece than take 1,000 leads at a dollar a piece and, you know, at $10 a piece and have to filter through to find the good 10 ones. And so we've kind of transformed our business in the last few years to just really focus on quality of lead over quantity. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV. Real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Anthony, what is your uh, average commission that you're making on these internet leads? The dollar amount. Yeah, if I do the deal, if it doesn't go to one of my teammates, then on average, uh, ten to fourteen thousand dollars a piece. Okay, so you're bringing in about ten to fourteen thousand if you convert one of these. You said one hundred and twenty-five up to two sixty. Let's just say two hundred. You're converting about one in thirty, so you got about six thousand. So you maybe have an average cost of six thousand, and you're grossing out ten to fourteen. Does that sound about right? You're earning That's at the end close. of the day about ten to fourteen on each transaction, and it's costing you about six thousand to get these people into the system that end up converting. And you know, by the end, your cost of your sale. Yep, yep. No, but I think that's pretty valid. Um, we've hovered 
in and around the 200 to 270% return on investment uh, for the last two to three years working with them. And that's one of the things that I like. You know, I've had other systems where we've had a higher ROI, but it hasn't been consistent the way that this has. This has been a steady, consistent return on investment that doesn't skew very far. And we just know that, hey, if we put more money into it, we're going to make more money out of it at this click. And it's been pretty beneficial to our business. And then once you get these people and and you close, they're now in your system and you can start working past clients. You have a past client database. You have a a lifetime value that that goes up. So you're acquiring these folks for about half, about 50% of the income, which doesn't sound great at the beginning because you have other costs, but then they go into this lifetime value because of the repeat business. Yep. Okay. Good. So you got to have a good uh, repeat and referral system, which we'll talk about in a second here. Just want to stay on the internet leads for a couple more seconds. So you you basically outlined our system for us. Thank you very much. Nice job. Been doing this quite a long time. Do you see an ability to scale this up bigger than where it is? Could you, for instance, if if I challenged you, could you double or triple the volume next year doing what you're doing now? Probably not with what we're doing now. We would need a lot more support to be able to double the business. But it is, I mean, if I got another transaction coordinator, another assistant, and more of the day-to-day and the transaction coordination was taken care of, then it's not at all unfeasible to double the GCI from this year. And I would need another agent. There's only so many hours in the day. I would need at least one more, if not two more agents that work as hard as the two that I've got now in order to double our income. But you'd be able to go over the realtor.com and double the number of leads you're getting in, or are you talking about having a higher conversion rate? Um, Actually, both. Uh, I would be able to go to realtor.com. So realtor.com used to call me once a week or so, and they go in order of who's got the biggest account holders, from what I understand. And so they'd go to the guys that buy all of the accounts first and say, hey, we've got this new account. Do you want it? And most of the time, the top end guys are going to grab those. Over the last year, we haven't added anything. We've had a little bit of turnover with agents on the team and just other problems that we've had to deal with. But ultimately, if I wanted to take our monthly spend budget and double it, it would probably take me nine to 12 months to gain all of those accounts. But I could do that in under a year and then turn, honestly, so, and we'll get to it. I know that we will, the sphere of influence past client referral base, we really just started building that within the last year or so. I have always relied on all of my internet leads and just going to work every single day and doing the same thing over and over again. And now we've had a tremendous amount of referrals and past clients that have trickled down from that business, which is why we're transforming a lot this year into that side. But for the most part, our internet business has kind of been our life raft that then has allowed for all of the, you kind of like what you mentioned is you start buying all this stuff in year one, you bought it because you wanted the instant gratification and to sell a house here real quick. What then it translated into was the lifetime value of a consumer and a client underneath your umbrella. And now we're tweaking all of those systems, spending the capital on that direction so that the next 10 years are just as fortunate times two with a new system, basically. Well, my assumption from what you've just stated is that you've made a common error that we all, including myself, have made, and that is 
you generated all these leads to get business right away. And once you close the transaction, instead of nurturing that closed past client and working for referrals and repeats, you went out hunting some more to get more leads. And in the process, these past clients who were very happy with you have kind of fallen off the wayside. Is that what has happened in the majority of your career? Yeah. I assume you're now changing. Yeah. And that happens to a lot of us. So let's switch gears and talk about your past clients and sphere of influence. And tell me what you've set up that's different in the last, you said, year or two than what you had been doing in the past. Because my understanding is past clients and sphere of influence are about half your business now. Half is internet, half is yeah. past clients. So how did you do that? How did you make the transition? Uh, what have you done? What have you put in place to start picking up these repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence? Sure. So a lot of it actually was passive and a lot of it was through Facebook. Um, and it was the awards that we've won. The got a, a big magazine in Dallas called D Magazine, and they recognize the best lawyers and the best doctors and the best realtors and the best lenders. And and we've been recognized in that magazine for the last four years in a row. And all of this stuff then gets published on Facebook. And then, you know, naturally, you've got a few thousand followers on Facebook and friends from high school, friends from college, friends from just you name it over the last 15 years that knew that I was a realtor that now are seeing a lot of the successes over the last five to six years and going, oh, heck, you know, I didn't realize that Anthony was at the point that he was at. I'm definitely going to use Anthony for my next sale. And so a lot of that stuff was passive over the last 10 years that I couldn't specifically quantify one action that created all of this business. But that was a huge eye opener for me, probably about middle of 2016 was you know, look at how much money we spend and have spent over the last eight years getting to this point. And in my opinion, how much money I've wasted by not spending on the sphere of influence and past client follow-up, which is why we changed all of that this year. Now, I still think the most important aspect of your follow-up is relevancy. Um, you look at Google and Google beat out every single search platform out there. And the reason that they did it was off of relevancy is the number one metric that mattered to them. And so I still take that into play when I'm following up with past clients, when I'm following up with a fear, so on and so forth. I don't want to just go, oh, you know what? It's December 15th. I better call Jane, Joan, and John because they're on my schedule to call today. Those calls to me are not pleasant. I don't enjoy them. If I don't have something to talk to them about, then it comes off as a solicitation because you normally end it with, hey, I just want to remind you, I'm a realtor. Do you have anybody that wants to buy, sell, or invest? And I just never really enjoyed that. So for me, I always think that if I sold somebody a house, uh, a buyer per se, then they want to know what that house is worth. And especially in a market that we've seen 5 to 15% year-over-year appreciation in the Dallas area, they want to see, how did my house do? And so this year, we started with just market updates. And we've got a smaller group of sphere of influence, past clients, referral-based that we're putting the time and effort into. But essentially, my assistant runs a half-a-mile radius search off of the house that they bought we then show them what has sold within that half a mile and 
then give a nice little, you know, this is what happened in our quarter and we're doing great. As always, we just want to remind you, if you want to buy or sell, we'd love to help out any and all your friends. And we've done that then on a branded postcard that we send out to our sphere. And basically we time it off of when they close. So, you know, we got closings January through December. And then as we close more then if you closed in January, you get tossed into the January hopper. And we do three market updates per year and then a, kind of a state of the union at the end of the year. This is how great our team did. You know, happy holidays. This is, again, we'd love to work with your friends, so on and so forth. But we found that in an appreciating market and a significantly appreciating market at that, that it opens the conversation about real estate, that I'm not having to make the phone call to go, Hey, Joan, I just, you know, do you want to know what your house is worth? No, you're busy with your kids. Okay, cool. I'll talk to you later. It's now I'm getting a phone call from Joan going, hey, I just want to let you know that I got the postcard. And can you believe what that house sold over there for? Uh, You just got to be kidding me. And, you know, hey, Anthony, what do you think realistically? I know we only bought two years ago, but what do you think our house is worth now? Well, Joan, tell you what, have you done any differences? Why don't I come over and talk to you and your husband and get face to face and build that rapport and for a very, very small amount of money to a relatively small amount of people, we are getting out what I find most consumers are viewing as relevant and are opening those conversations. And and, and what I hope is that they're out at the Bunko tournament at the end of the week going, oh my God, do you guys see what our houses have done out here? And their friends are going, no, what are, you, what are you talking about? Oh my gosh, my realtor, he sends me these the quarterly updates of what the houses have done. And do you realize that our houses are all worth like $25,000 more than they were at the beginning of the year? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, me and Mark, we were thinking about selling. Why don't you give me your real phone number? And that's what we found has been a huge hole in our business that, like you said, most realtors run into. It's all instant gratification. I haven't been playing the 10-year game with clients follow up and past and fear and so on and so forth that now we're really trying to get into that. And then the rest of those things for sphere influence of past clients, people love to hear from you on their birthday and you don't need to call them if you don't have anything to say, but don't send them a Facebook message because everybody sends them a Facebook message. Just 300 people that'll say happy birthday on Facebook. Take the time out of your day and send them a text message and Hey Mark, I saw it was your birthday today. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Hope you have a phenomenal day. And just leave it at that. I mean, it's top of mind. If they know who you are, then ultimately you just want them to see or hear your name and associate it with real estate five, six, 10, 20 times a year. And the business should follow that. Market update you're sending out three times a year and then the state of the union. So basically four times a year. It's a physical postcard you're mailing out. Yep. Print advertising. Yep. And the postcard for the market updates, it sounds like these are individually personalized to that person. You're giving statistics That's just right. for them and their home. You said that was a half mile radius around their home and what's sold. That's very unique. So you're printing off one postcard at a time. That's correct. Yeah. And actually, our postcard is a template and we've got two graphs on it. One, one is a map graph that'll show you, you know, where the houses were geographically located around you. Um, in that neighborhood and basically the half a mile radius. And then the other is just a simple list of these were the four houses that sold. This was the street that they were on and this is what they sold for. And 
I just wanted to get you a quick market update on the homes that are closest to you, the ones that really affect your value. If you've got any questions, we'd love to talk to you about them. Well, that's great. And then the call to action is to call in and get more information if they're thinking about buying or selling. Yep. Well, and the other beautiful thing is if you don't abuse the privilege, you can make that phone call two times a year. And, you know, hey, Mark, I just wanted to see if you uh, happen to get my postcards that showed that your house has bumped up 20 grand in value. People like to talk about that. They don't like to talk about, hey, uh, Mark, I'm uh, pretty low on my business right now, and I'm not really sure where my next sale is. Uh, You wouldn't happen to have a friend or family member that wants to buy or sell. People just don't like to be asked for business, generally speaking. However, if you can organically work your way into that conversation, then those conversations are much, much more successful in my, my experience. Yeah, the best way to have a conversation is to ask someone about themselves, and that's what you're doing. You're asking them about their real estate, their personal individual real estate, or what's happened with it. That's a great idea to dive in there. Now, when you do the printing of this postcard, are you printing this in-house? Yes and no. We've got a nice printer here at the office, but I got a relationship with a printer in town that that's generally where I take it. They got all the card stock. They got everything that they need. So we've tried a couple of runs here on the office printer. I wasn't. I believe very highly in how people perceive your brand. And if you're not sending it on really good card stock and really nice, glossy, digitally designed postcards, then your brand isn't perceived as then being top of the top. So so yeah, we, we spent a little bit of money having a really great graphic designer build everything for us. And, you know, that's really important to me. And then we switch out the graph. We're, we switch out the map. We switch out the houses that have sold. So it's actually pretty quick copy and paste and then send off the 10 or 15 that need to be printed for this month. And then we send them out. And how many uh, people do you have in your past client database? Currently, we're at about 130, 140 or so that are getting these types of these types of mailers. Because obviously, our sellers that move out of town, we don't follow up with them that way. These are mostly our buyers that have purchased in town at some point over the years that we're now hoping to get the sell or we're hoping to get all the referrals from their relationships over the next few years. The last year, how many transactions have you had from past clients? Like year-to-date, 2017? Yeah, so from past clients and referrals or repeats from past clients, the people that are in this system, 130, 140, how many closings has that resulted in? You know what? Not so many because we just started it this year. I haven't actually quantified it. My guess would be four to five, three to four, maybe this year. But I'm hoping that this really translates into a lot more business next year. You know, much like when you're geofarming, I've noticed that a lot of times it's going to take me 25 to 30 hits to that mailbox, whether it's twice a month, whether it's once a month, whether it's three times a month before I become at all relevant. And so I'm kind of taking the same expectation with this model of people are seeing it. People have found it relevant. We've gotten phone calls about, hey, how great is this that I probably wouldn't have gotten in the past that it would have been easier to forget my name. And that's where I see the value in it that I think that next year it's going to bring 
a healthy amount of business. I mean, I'm really hoping to get nine to 10 deals off of this one marketing play this year. You've mentioned that you have a team, you started a team, it's been in flux. Tell us about the team. And what we're looking for is a structure. So big picture of who's on the team. Yeah, there's four of us. We're uh, called the Elite Home Sellers, and um, I've got an assistant transaction coordinator. I mean, she's really my marketing coordinator as well. She does all the moving parts of our back end and where we find business and how we close business and all of that. And then I've got two supporting agents, for all intents and purposes, buyer's agents on anybody else's team, but we don't discriminate. We allow them to do sellers and buyers. If they get a lead that transfers into a seller, then great. You got a seller. You get to go and work them. So they have a really all-around knowledge of the business. They know how to answer questions regardless of which side that they're on. They know how to play the game, how to strategize with pricing, with negotiations, so on and so forth. And they're just they're much more all-around agents by allowing them to stumble through a seller transaction, learn it some of the hard ways, and then still do all of their leads and get all of their buyers. So two supporting agents and one back of house guru, basically. And then myself. When agents are thinking about putting together a team, one of the big questions they have is uh, compensation for a buyer agent, a listing agent, supporting agent. Would you mind quickly describing what your compensation plan is for them? Of course. Actually, you know, I got my first two and a half years, I was on a team. And the reason I left that team was because of compensation and because I was bringing a lot of business to the table that I was not being compensated for. So when I decided to start the team and build the team, I have always been very, very focused on making sure that the agents feel like they're being compensated and that they're appreciated the way that they need to. One of my big problems when I worked for a team was that we were on a 50-50 split, but then the buyer's agents had a broker fee and they had a transaction fee and they had these other fees that then when you got your breakdown of commission, say it was $10,000 commission, my boss would make five grand and I would make 4,500. There wasn't ever a scenario where on the commission disbursement authorization that his number was the same as my number. And there was never a situation where my number was ever larger than his number. Well, that was just psychological kick to the pants every single time you sold a house. And so when I built the team, I wanted to make sure that the team was A, being profitable and being reimbursed for all of the opportunities that the team creates, but that the agents feel like they're the ones out there doing all the legwork. And and when in our area, when you had to go and write seven offers and you lost the first seven to get the eighth because the 250 market is so hot here, then those guys, you know, they made half of a $7,500 commission, but they really sold eight houses to get it. And I just, that always left a bad taste in my mouth. So my team is set up where the supporting agent makes 51% of the transaction. The team makes 49% of that transaction. 1% of our GCI, and it's taken out of the team side, gets contributed to our assistant and transaction coordinator. So she's incentivized as we grow, then her income grows as well. From there, though, the girls get, I call my agents the girls, um, the girls get bonus off of how many deals they do per month. We've got a minimum standard of roughly two transactions per month, and then they start to get bonus at three, four, five, so on and so forth. So they'll do 49-51 split 
on their first two. They get a 3% bump on their third executed transaction for the month, and then they get a 5% bump on their fourth and further executed contracts for the month. So that's a way for them to bonus. In turn, I set up production bonuses for them at the end of the year, every single year. So for instance, one of my agents, her production bonus was 140,000 GCI, 18 transactions, and a $5.5 million production value. And she's got a total of $1,500 that'll come to her the week before Christmas in her bonus because she just hit her bonus for the year. So that helps boost morale. And at the end of the year, you know, some of us kind of dip down in December, don't sell a whole lot. And so getting that extra bonus at the end of the year, as long as they have made the team profitable is um, a big morale booster for them, kind of shows how much I appreciate them at the end of the year. And then I also give them bonuses based off of what their GCI and total volume is for the year. So once they hit five and a half million and sell more than five and a half million, then I give them a 5% bonus on everything that they do over five and a half million, because I've worked my numbers to be profitable in and around that three and a half to $4 million range. We make a bunch of profit and then it kind of turns into profit sharing after that. So those are the three ways that we bonus our agents, but it's just super fair. And the girls are out there getting their butt kicked by lower end deals that are not the easiest deals that then don't pay out all that well. And um, I just always wanted to make sure that when they see their check at the end of the day, they feel like they're being compensated for all the work that they put into it. Well, Anthony, agents have been listening to us and there's a question on their mind. Are you profitable? Yes. Yeah, we, we are profitable. I won't go into how profitable, but yeah, we've done very, very well for the last few years. No complaints whatsoever. Uh, and, and actually, surprisingly said that though, this year for 2018 business plan, we kind of like I mentioned, the big light bulb that went off, we're really shifting a lot of our business into past client fear of influence referral and going to try and wean off some of the online stuff because of how expensive it is. And as a team leader, attrition is incredibly detrimental to my business. So if one of my agents quit because they have some better deal come across the pike or they just want to go out and do it on their own or what have you, then that leaves a giant hole in my business. And I'm on 12 month contract for that business that I pay for. So we're going to, we're, we're actively trying to shift and get away from some of those massive monthly budgets that we've got currently. And move towards some of the stuff that I think is going to make us more money in the long run. But yeah, we're profitable and there's definitely no complaint. For people that are listening, they're thinking about putting together an internet-based business. I know you're moving a little away from that, but you've been doing that a long time. What do you think is something that they should target for their net profit as a percentage of the gross? What do you think is a reasonable number? I mean, I have always when it came to the internet stuff, I always need to make at least what I'm putting into it, if not more. And that's pretty low on most people's scales. However, I've seen the quality of leads go significantly down. So if I spent 50 grand on leads, then I would fully expect to make a hundred grand commission out of it and all the way up. At the same token, there's a huge learning curve when working with leads. Um, they're very fickle. They are not loyal at all. Uh, they'll burn you at the very last second. A lot of them will go through the entire transaction 
and then three days before closing go, Hey, I want you to give me a thousand dollars of your commissioner and I'm not going to close. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that happens with these internet leads. My best advice to somebody that wants to build a team around these internet leads is a go out and learn how to do it yourself. Make yourself successful with the internet lead follow-up and find a mentor that really knows how to do it, that has proven that he's converting at a pretty good click and figure out exactly how they do it. From there, translate that into your business, make sure that you're successful with it, and then start training and teaching agents how to do it and scaling from there. But you will find generally the first three to five months of trying to start that business is very painful. There's a lot of money that goes out and there's not a lot of money that comes in. Our benefit is that we've been running this system with the Tiger Leads specifically individually for seven and a half to eight years now that I closed a deal earlier this year that he had been in our system for over three and a half years. And our system continues to follow up with them. And we got an email going, hey, Anthony, this is John. I just, you've been sending me emails about houses. Da, da, da. Me and my wife have made the decision. We're going to retire and we're coming to town. And that's a guy that got followed up with, but that nobody thought was actually going to buy a house that turned into a $15,000 commission just based off of our, the longevity that we have with this system. So a lot of agents go into it with three to five months expectations that they're going to double their income of what they put into it in that five month period of time. That's just simply not realistic. And so if you look at your budget and you say, hey, five months is make it or break it for me. And I'm, I'm not going to have the money to continue to go on if this takes longer than five months to become profitable, then my recommendation is to not do it. Because I think that it takes longer than that to really start to see significant success. Now, you may get lucky and get the first three people that you call are all million-dollar purchases and you just made 90 grand. But just in my experience and watching other people that have tried to duplicate some of the stuff that we've done, I think that it takes a longer gestation period to really determine its success. However, you know your work ethic, you know if you're good at it or not. And so if you know that this is something that I can add to my business and I'll do it every single day and I won't give up on it and I'll make this work and you've got then the capital to be able to stretch it out for five, six, maybe seven, eight months, I say definitely do it. Most people are unsuccessful because they give up on the system or they didn't work it hard enough in the first place. Anthony, what drives you? Lots and lots of things, I guess success. I, I like the, the money as a byproduct of the success and we all wouldn't do things for free and the money is great, but I really do get a big satisfaction out of selling a house, out of completing a transaction, out of converting a new lead and out of meeting new people. I really get a huge amount of satisfaction about the phone call that I get the next year that says, Anthony, you did so great that I want you to work with my daughter. She's first time home buyer and she's looking over an alley. The gratification that we get from what we do on a daily basis, I think, is probably my strongest drive, uh, more so than anything else. Anthony, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I'm a mentor. I'm a big proponent of joining a team. You sacrifice some of your income. But in my opinion, one of the hardest things to do is to find the business. And 
if you can have somebody find you the business at a 50% rate, then you have the opportunity to mess up some deals, drop some stuff on the floor. And let me put this in perspective. So if you're a brand new agent and you showed up for your first day at your Remax broker, Keller Williams broker, what have you, and you're just green and just excited to go out and sell a house. I'm just going to go out and sell a house. You may only get four to six opportunities to sell a house over that first year. People don't know that you're a realtor. The ones that do know you're a realtor know how green you are. Now, let's say that I got four to six opportunities to sell a house, but I really didn't know what the heck I was doing. Well, that inexperience could easily contribute to me messing up three, four, maybe even five of those deals. And now I only sold two houses this year. That's not enough to put food on the table and I've got to quit versus me going to work for a team that has a tried and true system that generates business, that has a mentorship program, has a training program, isn't going to leave you out to dry and is likely going to create 30 to 40 opportunities for you to go out and sell a house in that first year. And you can afford to do it the wrong way. You can afford to hit that learning curve face on and drop five, six deals on the floor and still go out and close 12, 15, 20 of them so that you can't afford to put food on the table and Christmas presents under the tree. So I've always been a real big proponent of joining a team and having that support around you. If you don't have good teams, you don't want to go that direction, then my biggest thing is just having a mentor. There's so many times in the first year to two years and even still, I mean, I, I have a mentor 10 years in and, and there's still stuff 10, 15 times a year that I need to call and talk to my mentor about. And I think that's really, really important. And finding somebody that actually cares about you and cares about your business and gives you good advice because successful agents have a lot of other agents that come to them asking for mentorship, asking for advice, this, that, and the other. And there's only so many hours in the day. You don't always get the best advice when you knock on somebody's door and go, um, hey, got a minute? Versus setting up some sort of a relationship with somebody that you can build rapport with, that does care about you, does care about your business, and is going to give you that extra five minutes to explain it to you the right way and the way that it needed to have been explained instead of a rushed explanation of, hey, this is how you do it. Now I got to get back to my clients. So I think a mentor, if you're not going to join a team, but the other thing with teams is you got to join the right team. Interview a bunch of teams if you're going to go that direction. Find out where the business is coming from. If you have the opportunity, go and talk to the agents that are on the team, not just the team leader. Find out how hard it was for them in the first three months, because that's really kind of your proving point is that first three months. Figure out how hard it was. Figure out how many deals they did in the first six to 12 months. And go out and just make sure that the support is going to be there, that they didn't have a bunch of unanswered questions and unanswered phone calls, and that you're not joining a team that doesn't actually provide the business, that is just simply a Goliath conglomerate that is able to attract business, but then doesn't shovel it down the pike to their new agent. If you're going to join a team, join the right team and spend the extra week to two weeks interviewing people to figure out what's the right fit for you. Well, Anthony, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? I guess uh, I'm excited for this opportunity, and I'm excited for everybody that's listening. Um, I just I, I hope you all the best of luck. If you're a new agent, then get out there and pound the pavement and kill it, and 
you know, don't take no for an answer and, and just keep your head high because it is very difficult business to get into. But, you know, once you hit that point, I just can't say enough about how much fun it is to go to your job every day and how great it is to work with all of these people and all the benefits of being great and enjoying your job. Well, Anthony, you jumped headfirst in internet leads and tripled the National League conversion average of 1% to 3% by purchasing high-priced, high-quality inquiry leads from Realtor.com, using the Tiger Lead database to track home buyer activity and using relevancy and timing for follow-up calls and text messages. Your past client approach of sending a custom, personalized, CMA postcard is unique and should give powerful results. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 155 homes worth $35 million last year. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.